Welcome to the Reroll Gaming Podcast, where I, Tanner Prentice, guide five of my closest friends through an original adventure playing the tabletop role-playing game Pathfinder 2nd Edition. In the world of Rell, five strangers brought together a resistance under the shadow of the Blackreach Empire. Until everything changed. A villain and former lover named Hogoth fractured the planes of existence, ushering in an endless night and an era of undeath. All in the name of an undying dragon, Zarox. Now, the fate of Rel is left to these five adventurers. My name is Ayla, and I play Bo Cantrell, a fallen Asimar and cleric, with Cosmios, the god of fate, as my deity. Hi, my name is Zane, and I play Cinder Lafayette, the halfling investigator with a dicey past. My name is Octavia and I play Starlet Moonbow. Star, as she's better known by her companions, is on a mission to save her true love, Faya, from the Maiden of Spiders. Hi, my name is Latara, and I play Kiarin Nimone the Sadistic, the Dolel champion of Emin, who yearns for that redemption that is so far out of her reach. I'm Brendan Geyer. And I am Frost your new favorite kobold barbarian. Honor-bound to protect and serve Grat's party. And oath-bound to finish its mission. These five heroes are the last best hope to save Rel. But can they overcome this darkness that spreads under the shattered sky? Find out now on the Reroll Gaming Podcast. How do you guys feel about uh, New Year's resolutions? Like Waiting really a whole year. Gym memberships. Yeah. Like they probably make a lot of money. Yeah. I, the same way I feel about Christmas gifts. Like if, if you're waiting a whole year to like do something ritualistically at the same time that like 3 billion other people are doing it, <laughs> like you're going to flood systems. You're going to, you're going to make problems for everybody. <laughs> I don't... Why wait for New Year's? If you want something fucking... I don't know. Seize the day. But they put yeah, it on like, sale for three cents of off. Uh, so I have to save money. To like, oh, I don't have New to pay Year's. $120 initiations at the gym. Uh, on the plus side, though, like, for those that do start, like, being better about their diet in January, it's a lot easier because everyone else is also being better about their diet. Yeah, you got about a week of communal like draw, right before ninety percent like, of them fall I, off, and it's yeah. so Nestle hard to bend down the hatches. So hard to eat good during the holidays, and so you got to start fresh in January. The the problem is, is with any anything you do to like better yourself, and this is where you you can go over on Amazon and buy my self help book uh, today. It's paperback. <laughs> it's only forty eight cents. It's only two pages long. Um, but no, like, I think that the, the if you want to better yourself, you shouldn't go all or nothing like right at the start of the year, because you're probably not if you're just going for it, like cold turkey or quitting smoking or quitting drinking or like trying to eat better or something. If you do it all at once, it's going to get overwhelming and you're going to like basically regress back to where you were and then you're going to feel shitty about yourself. So I think yeah. that you can the New Year's is a good time to start building healthier habits. But every time I try to do something all at once, like it never works out. But every time I try to like do something slowly and incrementally, it's a lot more likely to like build as a habit and actually like succeed and stick. 
Yeah. That's my advice to you. <clears throat> I think it's like a all at once was be vegetarian or pescatarian for a while. And then yeah. I was done after like a year or two. But I mean, I just kind of dropped it all at once. That was the only thing that's ever worked out that way for me. Yeah, I think that like the resolutions and shit can be positive based like on your experience or you as a person like that. That's awesome if you're that's your thing. But for me, like I get really like I, I don't know, I have anxiety and depression. So it's like near the the year end it's like a really difficult time because it's like transition that's difficult for me so it's like that feels for me it's like uh it's so hard like i can't be like that i'm not really not like woo new year it's like oh god another year so yeah. i don't yeah. know one will it's it like, end it's more like i wish <laughs> that years. during the holidays people wouldn't guilt you into eating their sweets that they made that does does that still like happen to you Yes, when you go to family <laughs> things and they're like, "Here, I made all this dessert that I'm not eating, but you have to." <laughs> I um didn't necessarily make any resolutions, but I have noticed a trend of me just doing shit um towards the end and beginning of this year. Uh, dyed my hair pink like I wanted to when I first got out of Texas. Got a bunch of piercings like I've been wanting to do, but was too afraid to do because I lived near a judgmental family. Um, now you live in Texas, the beacon of tolerance in the I United mean, States. <laughs> it's easier when the people don't know me because I don't really care. Yeah. But yeah, they can be mean all they want. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, the only other thing that I still haven't quite done, but it, I am planning on doing because I didn't do it last year, was uh, going to try out a pole fitness class with a friend. Nice. Because that mm -hmm. sounds Sweet. like a lot of fucking fun. And yeah. the My fucking beginner class is like $20. And they do like chair dances and other shit. So I don't know. I think it's good too because like it, I, it's one of those things like it's like a full body workout. It works like every muscle group because you're like doing swimming. so much different movement. Yeah, yeah. it's like you yoga, be really basically. strong to dance on a pole, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll see. I do. For me, I allow myself to do all the things that I want to do during my birthday month. Nice. nice. Yeah, during birthday like month. the the mm -hmm. end of the year, I get really burnt out because it's like the holidays my birthday and new year's like within like a week so it's like i get like yeah. way burnt out and so it's kind of hard to like adjust You're like all right time for a drastic lifestyle change on top of all of it yeah no it's not gonna happen yeah baby steps it's important yeah nah yeah. new year new you That's or else the, saying, if you, you, you want to quit drinking different... or something like that <laughs> just like quit for one day out of the week and then slowly graduate to two days and then three days instead of being like i'm never doing this thing again and i'm gonna feel bad about myself when i like backslide yeah yeah <laughs> yeah for real. i say this is i'm enjoying a nice whiskey and coke zero i feel like i was Ooh. really negative during that <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> all right New year, new me, new city. Speaking of new yep. adventure, new titty, new titty. No <laughs> stone uh -uh. titty, same old titties. <laughs> <laughs> These titties again, Jesus. We every pick fucking up... night. Sorry, <laughs> I saw him yesterday. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we pick up with Edwin Iron Hands leading you all. To the Dark Iron Inn. As you approach this very modest, unassuming building, Edwin, and you have walked from the Royal District all the way to the Hearth District. Did I say that right? Hearth? Hearth. Hearth. Yeah. Hearth. Okay, great. The Farth. 
the fart district. <laughs> and you've passed quite a bit of hubbub, quite a bit of dwarves stop to look at you and stare and gawk, even follow you for a little ways. But here, this building is completely unassuming. There are barely, there's barely anybody around it. You wouldn't even know it was a tavern if Edwin didn't lead you here. And in fact, he speaks up and he says, I don't really know why Cinder wanted to bring you here. This is kind of a run-down little place. But sure enough, Cinder Lafayette is right outside of it. Yeah, she regards you guys as you approach. She's probably out there, like, smoking a pipe, actually. So she sees you and taps the pipe out on the stair. And uh, as you guys approach, she looks at um, Edwin and says, uh, Edwin, I would speak to my new friends alone, if it please you. Right, you're responsible for him, but I trust you. Can I have that pipe? What is it? <laughs> PCP? Angel dust? Yeah, yeah, it's all, all of the above. Fuck yeah, dude. Let me hit that. I started my New Actually, Year's resolution, <laughs> but I'm not following yeah. My New Year's resolution <laughs> is to smoke crack. More crack. Smoke every right. pipe I see. <laughs> I have to do it. Yeah, it's she a gives, resolution. She gives Edwin a nod and um, stands up and like opens the door for you guys. Motions for you to come in. As Bo's passing you, he says, well, the king missed you. Sure, he did. You can tell too. She's kind of like, she's kind of bummed out about something, if not like a little angry. This inn is sparse. It has the makings of an inn, but no more lavish than the one you saw in Brambleton. There's a long wooden bar, a couple tables and booths, but about three dwarves sitting throughout it, each of them on their own with a mug of ale. Behind the counter is a aproned older dwarf balding around his head. And as you enter, one of the dwarves gets up and walks towards the door, closes it, and locks it. I glance towards Cinder, like, with a hand kind of hovering near my weapon. Do we still have our really. Yeah. Like they didn't uh, take anything? Yeah, I would say, in hindsight, I didn't say this outright, but meeting the king, obviously, they would have taken your weapons before going to the palace. Yeah, I figured that. Uh, all you all have, nude, you, actually. you have your weapons out here, and it's it's very, it is not uncommon to see, like, probably the standard weapon on every dwarf's person is, is a hammer uh, of some sort or some sort of uh, mallet, but uh, others have hand axes, short swords, things like that. And as Carlea told you when you entered, property and private property is very revered amongst the dwarves. Well, and you guys would be able to notice that pretty quickly walking in here too. Whereas, you know, people going about their day on the street might have like, you know, a utility hammer that could be used as a weapon if they needed it to be. The guys in here are wearing armor and they are armed. Um... But yeah, so Cinder walks across the room and gets up on the bar, obviously comfortable here, reaches behind the bar and grabs a bottle, and pours herself a drink. And I think she looks back over at the uh, 
the dwarf locking the door as he locks it and gives him a nod. And then kind of, again, with this like weird undercurrent of disdain in her voice, turns to her drink and after a moment says to you guys, I need you to tell me everything you know about Flint Oakenfist. Never. Who? (laughs) (laughs) So you are that cinder. (laughs) Strange. She's kind of remaining quiet and just eyeing each one of you individually. Waiting to see who's going to talk first. Frost is legitimately confused. He's looking at everybody else. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't Sorry. Use. Sorry, I was trying to finish her um, really crunchy drink that she found outside. <laughs> God. Star will kind of, with her hand on like the hilt of one of her daggers, just look at you a little bit curiously. Say, well, that sort of depends. Because, uh, Flint is one of my good friends. What is he to you? She kind of, like, almost disregarding or dodging your question. Says, so, he is alive. Well, I don't know that. We hope he is. When is is the last time you saw him? Hmm. Right before we entered the gates of... Fort Gravewire. Would you mind answering me? Is he a friend or a foe of yours? That's a good question. It seems I don't even know the answer to that anymore if he hasn't. She kind of catches herself. Do you know what direction he headed off in? It's important that I find him. The last time we saw him, he was headed towards Fort Graverot. When we got there, we didn't see him. I couldn't tell you where the bastard ran off to. He may have left us, but we are still his friends. Why should we give you this information if we don't know what you'll do with it? She takes a hefty swig of her drink and just very curtly says, Flint Oakenfist doesn't have friends. He likes others to think that, I think. Why did he leave? Do you know where he was going? What he was doing? You seemed heavy on his mind. So he did talk about me then? Not really. (laughs) Well, uh... Boom, roasted. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All I know is that while questioning an orc, a bit roughly, if I might add, he brought up you. She kind of ponders that over her drink for a moment. (laughs) He must have been looking for somebody. Does the name... Elrond mean anything to you? It certainly did to him. What does it mean to you? To me? 
nothing. But Can evidently I... it still means the world to him, she says with like kind of some spite in her voice. Can I try to insight if it actually means nothing to Cinder? I'd say the thing about this is that Cinder plays things really close to the chest, so it's hard to determine when something truly doesn't mean anything to her or when it means everything to her. She's done a really, she's practiced a lot at keeping those things obscured so that people can't really like <clears throat> sense out her motivations and her weaknesses. So I don't know how you want to play that because at face value, you would believe her that the name Elrond doesn't mean anything to her. But if you said that there's like spite that it's like palpable, like you would yeah. think that that would mean more than you're letting on if it comes to her, even you say it comes to her. So. Well, and I think let's, in that reg- Yeah, go ahead. Let's walk this back a little bit. Kieran, <laughs> why don't you roll a perception and then... 25. Cinder, what does a 25 get her? You can tell that, well, the name, she she isn't lying to you, but you do detect that spite in her voice. Like, the name, it's hard to explain, but, like, the name Elrond specifically might not draw any sort of, like, emotion out of her, but obviously the context with Flint does. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. She, I guess, like, I'll just, yeah, I'll just kind of give that to you. and uh, Like, you can interpret it how you want. But, like, um, you would infer this as more she's angry about Flint's obsession with Davy rather than Davy himself. I think Frost is just slowly, not necessarily cautiously, confidently, though, uh, walking over toward the door is the uh the guy who locked it is he standing in front of it oh yeah and i mean if you if you were moving away from the group like he would probably stop you the the air in this room is pretty tense right now he would stop me the sorry the guy at the door would stop me and let me take this from here buddy yeah (laughs) this well-built dwarf towering over you sitting at about because you're a small creature and this dwarf is rather big in terms of height and he has this studded leather jerkin on and he's got just these two daggers at his side and he just presses in front of you in a way of his shoulder positioning kind of the middle of your body just incredibly threatening like the sense that if you take one more step he's gonna put you back in line And of course, you look like a kobold, so he thinks you're a little lizard man. Yeah. I'm gonna give him an intimidating glare. Back the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna give him an an intimidating glare, and uh... roll me an intimidation. Yeah, I'm not putting my hand on my weapon yet. But how do you, I how definitely... do you, I was thinking about this last week. How do you carry this axe normally? Uh, it would be strapped to my back. And is the handle just going up like a good like three feet above your head? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the head of the axe runs down my back and off to the side. So it's just just clear of my legs to the side. But it's almost all the way down to the ground. 
And as far as any of you can tell, there's no strap or anything that keeps it there. I just kind of slap it on my back and it stays. Oh, he ate a really, really big magnet. As, as far as you can Sticky. tell. Sticky. <laughs> um, Interesting. But yeah, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to roll an intimidating glare and I'm going to use a reroll on it. Okay. <laughs> um, Preemptively. <laughs> it, try, it wasn't, try again. It wasn't in that one, but it wasn't good. Uh, I'm going to add group coercion to it. Okay, walk me through with that. That will be basically me giving a glare, starting at this man who is stepping in front of me, interrupting my path to travel, and in a freakish like range of eye movement, I'm going to extend that glare to everybody in the room that's standing around, basically no, trying to intimidate us. Uh-oh. Okay. And do you have like a feat that lets you do multiple people? Yeah, I think he has the group Up coercion to feet. five. And yeah, I uh, think they're all kind of like, just kind of drawn into this little conflict. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this little wordless conflict. That's a 24 for intimidation. It says I can compare it to... Uh, Their the, intimidation. The will DC the will is about to five targets, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, you. I'm sorry, you got a 24? Yes. Okay, excellent. This guard keeps sort of pace with you for a moment in this intense conflict. And your eyes dart around and all the others sort of put their hands on their weapons. But you see it in his eyes when they they flinch. And he just, he acts like it's sort of, he lets out this huff, like, <laughs> not worth my time. But you can see the hint of fear cross his eyes as he starts to sort back up and he positions himself right in front of the actual door outside so gives you some space okay yeah then I think I will um I'll just pull kind of my axe not not facing him I'll, I'll pull my axe handle down from off my back and just flick over the deadbolt on the door if we want the room private, I shall keep it that way. But we have this conversation as equals. This is no interrogation. I'm a friend to all of you in this room. Let's keep it that way, please. Are you saying that to the room or to... Yeah, probably, probably looking at this guy who's just, you know, contested me while I'm saying it, but I'm obviously saying it to everybody. And yeah, this this sort of thuggish brute is just looking at you, Cinder, without really a lot of certainty of where to go from here. Uh, Kieran noticing that exchange will kind of turn to Cinder and be like, So what, if we don't answer your questions, you plan to attack us? My primary currency is loyalty and trust. And it seems in this city, those things don't go as far as I thought they did. I, she looks to you guys, maybe kind of shooting an individual glance at each of her companions. 
and after a moment she says, I have a proposition for you. I think Star will kind of walk over towards the bar where that's where Cinder is, right? Yeah. Okay. And and you do notice, well, they don't stop you as soon as you start moving towards Cinder. The guy behind the bar and the other dwarf, they tense up pretty hard. Yeah. Star, I mean, she's not, she's got her hand off her weapon at this point and she will go and, um, walk up to the bar and look at you and like tap her fingers on the bar like twice was like hit me with a shot um or something and uh, she'll say it sounds like we mostly speak the same language here I'm willing to hear you out I think we all are I don't dislike you and Flint has done his fair share of pissing me off but I guess all there is to do is hear you out. So if you don't mind, and she'll glance over the bar again at some whiskey or whatever that's back there. So I think when you um, when you say Flint has done his fair share of pissing you off, like a little twinge of a smile, like peaks on her lips. Karen will jump in with um. If you want to have a conversation make a request, you speak of trust. This is not how you start a conversation based on trust. Well, let me be clear, Dolel. I don't trust any of you. Not yet, anyway. But I can see that our goals may be mutual. And she looks back to you, Star. And she says, you wish to find this fire of yours. What I need, I need to get to Grimholt. And I'm not stupid enough to think that I can get there alone. Not even with these three. She gestures towards the other dwarves. I don't hold much sway among the council, it seems, but I will do what I can to help you get into Subterranea. If in exchange you help me get to Grimholt. And she looks between all of you guys. What say you? To... To make it absolutely not uncertain in any terms. Uh, Frost will throw his hand back up on his heart. As stated before, my axe is yours to swing. What sort of help do you need? You know this area better than us. I did. <laughs> Maybe a week ago. And she gestures up towards the sky. Seems I don't know what to expect of anybody anymore. Is there a sky here? Or is it literally nope, in the mountain? It's super under the mountain. Okay, but regardless, she knows that you guys probably have looked up in the time that you've spent outside. <laughs> I don't do that. We know pointing up you mean the sky. Yeah. No, the second um, this guy started doing weird stuff, I just, no, I'm not going to look at that. <laughs> Feel my hand over my eyes. Right. No, thank you. But yeah, she says, um, little upheaval and even the stoutest of these dwarves tuck their tail and hide in their bloody mountain. But you, she looks again to all of you, 
doesn't seem to have scared you off. I could use that courage. And I need you only to get me to Grimholt. That's all I ask. That is where I believe Flint, as he turns out, our mutual companion, to have gone. What do you plan to do once you find him? That business is my own. I don't I think, think that that's going to work for us. Star, I think, will kind of chime in here, too. I think, personally, anyway, that can work for me, for now. I can't promise you that whatever your plans are with Flint will align with ours, if and when we meet up with him. But I think time will have to tell on this one. It's. I agree, it's not easy to build trust with people you hardly know. But I'm willing to see where this goes. I think the best way to know how how and if this trust can build is getting the first part out of the way and go and getting to subterranea. I think that's I agree. So just to clarify, you're willing to face the perils of Subterranea just for us to escort you to Grimholt. Seems an unfair exchange. She smiles. Says, You must not have been on the road lately. That exchange may be much more valuable than you think. The journey to Grimholt is not an easy one. Not anymore. And if it does help quell the tension a bit, I can tell you that if what little I thought that I knew of Oakenfist holds true, he will be on his way to Grimholt now. And time is of the essence because he is walking straight to his death. This is true. He might be. But he chose to. Whereas Faya did not, so her plea comes first. I understand that. I'm willing to help you if you're willing to help me in exchange. And she reaches behind the bar and grabs three more glasses. I guess four more, technically. Grabs four more glasses and pours a small amount of alcohol into each one of the glasses from her bottle. Do we have an agreement? I'm in high hopes that we'll find the trust here. I must warn you. While the service surface, sorry, while the surface has definitely become dangerous, I can tell you've never been below. It is no easy travel. What might Cinder know of Subterranea? Give me a society rule. Yuki. 25. Give me a nature rule as well. Ooh, double. Nature 26. Okay. From a society standpoint, you know the dwarven position. Subterranea is full of monsters, 
tyrants, and evil magic. A few hundred years ago, the dwarves suffered from a something of a religious civil war, and a good portion of the dwarven people were attempted by a dark god, and after a bloody rebellion, a lot of them retreated into Subterranea, where they are rumored to still live and exist today. You have also heard of rumors of under-elves, uh, who of course you know to be the Dolo, um, but also it is a wild, uncertain terrain, and from your nature standpoint, there are monstrosities, beasts of horrible abilities and sizes, man-eaters, dwarf-eaters, all sorts of unnatural predators down there. What I know of Subterranea only comes from books and tales, but... And she cracks a small smile. I take the unknown wilds of that land over another night sleeping on the streets of Grimholt any day. And she sets out the drinks for you guys. Maybe you don't know the value of safe passage to Grimholt, but I sure do. I have nothing left for me in this godforsaken city any longer. And <clears throat> maybe where, like, this halfling woman puts on a pretty, like, thick facade, you see it crack a little bit. She says, The only thing that matters to me now is saving my friend. Will you help me? Star will take her drink up and uh, hold it out to you. Say, as long as you'll help me save mine. When you say friend, do we get the sense you mean Flint? Yeah, that's the implication. Kiaran will pick up the drink and kind of swirl it and just be like, well, can't say I didn't warn you. I, at least, would choose to not return to Subterranea, if not for going at the side of my friends. When you reference Flint as a um, friend, Bo's eyebrows just kind of lift, and it's just kind of like, huh, that was unexpected. And he lifts his drink, too. Yeah, Frost will take a drink, hold it up to cheer. Cheers. You drank before we cheers. <laughs> he likes to be first. <laughs> Slam it down and then hold. Your I can't. I simply cannot wait. <laughs> no, he will. He will pick up a drink and hold it up. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, Cinder raises her glass as well and just says, "Well, we may not yet consider ourselves allies, but here's to mutual goals." She clinks her glasses with your guy with she cheers her glasses jesus fucking christ <laughs> she cheers as she extends her extends her glass to cheers with you guys boom 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 we're closed <laughs> boom 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 why is this locked <laughs> It's not locked. Why are you closed? This is supposed to be open. Oh, it's not locked. Sorry, I was turning it the wrong way. 
<laughs> it's a push, not a pull. I'm so embarrassed I'm not coming in anymore. <laughs> Edwin walks in. Kind of feels the tension in the room and is like, uh, it's time to go. Okay. Frost will uh, walk by him and hand him my glass. Which is obviously still totally full. Oh. Point the way right. to say there. <laughs> he means like we gotta we gotta go like back to the king. Yeah, and you can see behind him is Princess Carlea with her fire red hair and her entourage of legionnaires. Bo looks back at Cinder, yeah, to see if Cinder's actually coming this time. Yeah, Cinder slams back the rest of her drink and just says, Well, we best be on our way then. We don't we wouldn't want to keep royalty waiting. As uh Cinder goes to leave. Kiaran will turn towards Bo and Star, assuming Cinder's moved a little bit away. And be like, well, I had considered us allies, at least until that threatening move. <laughs> Star um, kind of whispers back. You know, I still think I kind of do. I like her. She's a bit spicy. Poison in your drinks confused. takes over your system. I was freaking really spicy. Really spicy. Never let them know your next move. <laughs> I drank it too. <laughs> what did Bo, Bo say? Bo was pretty confused by the interaction because it was like, "Oh, we're like allies," and you're like, Ugh, and got all brooding and stuff, and then it was like, "Oh, wait, what?" And then you're like, "Then what? we're oh, my, and you saved my friend," and I was like, "Oh." Okay, yeah. I guess we're she back to where we were. It's but. like we yeah. could have had that conversation in a more yeah. friendly manner. <laughs> it's like, um, oh, wait, oh, okay, I guess we're back well, to... I mean, in all fairness, you're... like, she didn't know that we were necessarily friends with Flint. Like, I'm sure she knew that we yeah. kind of were together, but, like, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I would... I feel like that makes sense to approach it in that way. I don't know. Kiaren's feelings are hurt. Just saying. Well, and I think <laughs> I think um, Bo's on the same page with Kiaren. <laughs> I think that level of distrust that you felt with Flint is almost like cranked up to an eleven with Cinder. Now that kind of puts things in perspective, for, at least from like your character's <laughs> point of view, is she has a really tough time trusting anybody. Yeah. Like the best way that she feels like she can trust people is if we all have mutual goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Kiaren's I more used to people being mean at first sight, and so like this group of people, the first ones that have ever been like nice and they've all become friends. And so like, hey, mm-hmm. people being nice to me at first, when we first meet, we're gonna be friends too. I'm like, oh, nope. <laughs> well, and that might make you feel even, or almost like, even though the cards are on the table now, make, maybe like cement your wariness of Cinder a little bit is because I might, me as Zane might not be doing a great job at uh, illustrating it but cinder's like really easy to like so this hard shift in tone when she was basically like locking you guys in her bar and interrogating you was a really dramatic shift in yeah that's it was very it like oh i don't know this person at all right yeah, yeah. that's exactly what you should portray be feeling it the right way for sure yeah it makes bo kind of retract some of like not that he's like a super trusting person but he always gives people the benefit of the doubt and now that's mm-hmm. kind of not going to come as easy because there was this hard shift yeah and if that's what you guys walk away from this engagement with, is that like you almost trust Cinder less, then that is totally. It's rational. just more like that wary, I think. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, Frost has a uh, <clears throat> has a one of his feats is that he's not flat-footed when surprised and stuff like that. So nice. I think like 
being kind of taken off guard like that. Um, it was something that he's he's kind of used to, you know, like people try to lock his his principal in the room by themselves all the time, and he would just basically be like, "I'm not gonna kill you if you don't get in my way to walking over and unlocking that door." But imagine, you know, we yeah. can do this as friends or not. Doesn't matter to me. That's kind of yeah, exactly. What I, I like, mean, Frost yeah. is probably like really like analytical about it. It's just like, okay, you're a threat. You're not. You're a threat. This is a way out. This might mm-hmm. not be. Yeah, like it's almost that is your job. It's like almost like you're nine to five for so long that it like doesn't even register. Like the danger is almost like kind of well, secondary to like yeah. And also, yeah, to just... and that's probably mostly what that intimidation was was just not at all being intimidated by like this obvious like when well, I think kind that of entrapment. It's just like goes well no. with like the the type of people cl- or clientele that these dwarves are used to like intimidating or shaking down like you guys are ranks above that so that like throws yeah. them off too in yeah, for sure honestly i feel like that's the first time that kiaran's seen that people who aren't duel dull might act like them too what do you mean in that, like, you might appear friendly on the surface, but you might stab me in the back. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got that. Also, I'm not getting my terminology mixed up. You are a Dole L, right? Not like yeah, a... Dole L. Yeah, okay, cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, Slams her drink down. She's heading out with you guys. And and also, once it got to the point where Cinder, like, was drawing up an accord with you guys or, like, kind of... There was there was a point like when you when she was pouring the drinks where the tension of the room like probably eased off quite a bit and all these guys these dwarves with her realized they probably weren't gonna have to fight you. I think that <laughs> once the cheers came, it felt the like everything kind of leveled. Yeah. Yeah. As much as it could. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And we're going anyway, to council time. Fast forward. Just a little bit in time, as you're led back to that same council room by Princess Carlea. Entering the room, you see almost all the chairs are full. And as you enter, the princess takes a knee, and I assume you all do as well. Mm-hmm. As well as Edwin, of course, and everybody. But around the table, you see a few faces. And Cinder, you recognize all of these faces. The first one is senior representative of the Iron, Dwar- Iron Dwarven Trading Company, Fendel Waltz. He's a very portly man, finely dressed with attention to detail and all of his attire. And he pulls out this pocket watch and flips it open and he says, Yet again, your majesty, we find ourselves at the mercy of Volker's extravagant punctuality. Perhaps in the interest of time and coin, we should proceed without it. And right next to him is Maxwell Seamstone, a master artisan of stonework, president of United Labor. Do not be a fool, Waltz. These are uncertain times, and Volker may be the only one who could help us decipher what it all means. Cinder scoffs a little bit under her breath for anybody sitting near her. Across from him is the very pious and well-dressed... High Priestess Van Bellahorn, a figure, a survivor, and hero from Dwarven history, somebody who saved 
an entire covenant of sisters from the Obadiah's massacre. Hmm. Do I know more about that? Why don't you give me a society check? Society? Can't be a religion? Uh, yeah, sure, actually. Do a religion. Patience is the anvil that the hammer of truth strikes. Let us proceed with Tog's wisdom and caution. And as you enter in, you take your seats around this giant table. What was this last guy's name, Tanner? Um, which one was the last? Oh, uh, the priestess. The one that, like, saved a whole detachment of people yes. or whatever. Her name is High, Priest, High Priestess Van Bellohorn. Okay, thank you. Wow. Bellohorn. 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 Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. And you guys all take your seats around, sharing strange glances with the council. And are we at the kids' table? You are at the kids' table <laughs> in the back with crayons <laughs> and markers. Um, and Princess Carlea takes her seat to the right of King Shattershield, and the seat to his left is kept empty for quite a few moments. And about the time where things are getting at their peak awkwardness and impatience, in walks a very old dwarf with a lavender-wide brim, brimmed hat made of the finest felt that flops down to his shoulders. It's weighed down by exotic feathers and bones and trinkets uh, across the entire brim. His staff is a slick obsidian with a brilliant crystal floating atop it, and his robe shimmer like the night sky flooded with bright stars twinkling and ever moving. He sits down directly next to the king, and his crow's feet widen when he smiles, and he says, Good day, your majesty, my apologies. Divination may be my study, but even so, time does not permit an old wizard to abuse it. And the king rises, and he says a toast to our new heroes. And to the last time tonight, we will be cordial, for it will be a very long evening. And he takes a big old swig, and uh, all around you are servants who are filling your wine glasses full, or mead, whatever you wish, bringing different cuts of meats and different cheeses, goat cheeses. And as the king takes a seat, the senior representative of the Dwarven Trading Company stands up and he says, As I was saying, this sudden cutoff of all trade and imports to the surface is going to become a national tragedy, Your Majesty. We cannot get meats, we cannot get wood, and what of all the banks that we have in Blackreach and in Saltwyn. What's going to happen to the vast amount of wealth we leave behind? We cannot afford such a thing. We cannot seal the doors. And standing up opposite is Princess Carlea, and she says, we must keep 
bronze hammer open. Just like these heroes who brought these refugees, there's going to be more. We're going to have to... Hell, this could be the only place left in the world that is safe. We cremate our dead. We haven't seen them rise. The king strokes his beard. And the old wizard clears his throat. <clears> Cinder! <throat> um, Cinder, please. Report what you have learned from the surface. You are the only one of us who have even left the mountain in the past few weeks. Edwin's here too, right? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Cinder stands in... Yeah, Cinder stands. Maybe taking a sip of her wine. The conditions on the surface are worse than we feared. The world is plunged into chaos. It's hard to see that beyond these walls, tucked safely in this mountain. I know I don't stand fit to make these types of decisions, but the longer we sit idly by, the longer that you, illustrious king, close your doors to the outside world, the harder it'll be for all of us. It is of my humble opinion, Bronze Hammer stands to gain much more than it stands to lose by extending a hand rather than retracting it. Edwin, you've seen more than I have. You've traveled these lands since the upheaval. What say you on this matter? With all due respect, I have to disagree. I think the surface might be a lost cause. Not even in a day's travel outside of the city. Orcs tangle with undead, tangle with dragons. The Kravnox has suffered since Jotunwinter persisted. It hasn't gotten any better. It'll, it'll never get better. It's only getting worse. I don't know what's happening in Grimholtz, but I know what's happening here. You can tell Cinder wants to, well, you might not be able to tell, but Cinder wants to say a lot to this, but she's just kind of biting her tongue. It says, uh, as always, it is up to the council how we will proceed. The king strokes his beard as the entire council weighs on him. I have always found that knowledge is the greatest resource this council could possibly use. We have limited, but they do not. You, outsiders, what have you seen? Under the shattered sky. Who did it? Who suffers? Who lives? Have you heard of a... Dragon called the Runehawks? I... That dragon works for the dead. If you sealed the doors 
to Bernsholt with a thousand tons of iron. That dragon could melt through it. Solutions to what's happening on the surface lie on the surface. I don't know much beyond that, but I do have some knowledge of white dragons and there is no keeping one away once it has decided it is going somewhere. You want to know what I've seen in my time on the surface? It is true that the enemies are vast. The dead join their cause. But I've also seen those that were once enemies become allies. Fight with each other instead of against. This may be a disaster, but it is also a time to forge new alliances. Change enemies to your side. Join. We all fight against the same thing. Um, I have to agree with Frost. It's... Locking yourselves down here is only safe for a time. Right now, the world is in much turmoil. Things... Places aren't where they're supposed to be. I don't know that there really is a fix for this, but I can tell you that hiding away and trying to ignore it is not the answer. You must adapt and you must survive. All of us have to. Otherwise, all of the races, everything living on this planet, on this plane of existence is doomed. And I refuse to let myself go down that way. I will fight until my last breath for the people that I love, for the places that I long to see again. These are absolutely uncertain times, but I'm certain that undeath is on the rise, and if you don't unite against it, there's not, there's, I don't see another way. You want to know the name of the enemy? It's Zarax. A god unknown to many has risen again, been freed. I've also heard another name, though I have not met them. Uh, what was it? The Snow Prince? What did Groff say? Prince. Looking at the others. The Frozen Prince. Yes. Does Frost actually say this? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Everybody, tell me what type of skill you want to roll for the social encounter, reflecting what your input was. Does, like, intimidation apply to third-party intimidation? Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Does religion work for, like, the undeath? Undeath? Yeah, Yeah. I'll take it. Okay. I guess to clarify, what are we trying to... You're trying to, in this sense, sort of persuade the... Make an impression on the council. Okay. Um, I think I'll just use diplomacy. I don't really have a whole lot of anything else that would work for it, but just 
Sure. More of a pleading, like to keep their minds open to save, help save the planet instead of fight against it, essentially. <clears throat> While I'd love to use intimidation, I don't know that I was really being intimidating there. Uh, so I guess lore warfare? Sure. I'll accept that. Okay. I feel like it's kind of intimidation just because it's like, you will die if you don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, third-party intimidation. I kind of like that. Uh, Cinder, what were you going to use? Um, I mean, I, I go diplomacy, but I don't know that um, speaking from Cinder's personal motivations here that it's not that she doesn't care about the outcome of this, but I think she walked into this meeting with different with a different agenda. Sure. I think she thinks at her heart that no matter what she says, they're just going to hide in their mountain and not do anything. So sure. she's not even really like trying to convince them to do that specifically. But I do have another thing that I want to put forth, but that could be later. Gotcha. Do you think I could use intimidation? Cause like, yeah, it's scary up there. Yeah, sure. I'll give it to you. Uh, Cause in that case, I do also have a skill, quick coercion, which allows me to bully others. Even <laughs> if I'm only talking for one round of conversation instead of a minute. Are you bullying these people? Well, intimidation's kind <laughs> of old. Are you dumbass? You're not going to go out there and fight a dragon? Fucking uh, pussy. Smack him on yeah. the head. <laughs> Think this is tough? Quit being stupid, dumb. Stupid, you can't stay stupid. down here. <laughs> go make friends. All right, Bo, what did you get? 34. Wow. Okay, goddamn. Cinder, what did you get? Oh, you want me to still roll diplomacy for this? Yeah, still roll diplomacy. Okay. okay. Ooh, fuck, 21. Are you kidding me? Okay. Reroll. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, don't you? I have, yeah, I have too many of them. Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, twenty twenty-one. Uh, Kiard. Uh, not to call it out, but did you say that we had to take the reroll if we used it? Either way, it's either twenty-one or a nineteen for my reroll. But okay. I think that reflects my earlier sentiment that uh, Cinder's heart isn't really in this right now. Yeah. Uh. If we're allowing intimidation, I got 34. Jesus, guys. We both got 34. Frost. Uh, that'll be a 33 for me. My God. This is supposed to be where I shine. <laughs> and I, I will actually, um, as I'm as I'm saying all this, I'm going to pull out some notes that I just have been carrying around. Throw them on the table for anybody to look at if they want to. Okay. Notes. As a flavor thing. Yeah, just like notes on like white dragon lineage and stuff like that oh gotcha damn can i use intimidation too the fuck this is actually no, you specifically too late i decided an imitation I imitation imitation i'm imitation crap i'm a rock i like to hammer things hey i guess who's using a reroll I also used a reroll, by the way. That, <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to come up with like a this 14. This is where your characters like, no, die. man. <laughs> That's so <laughs> mean. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Were you? No. <laughs> is there a way to look at your past rolls? <laughs> I forgot I rolled. Uh, there should be a little history underneath. Oh, I you see. Got, I see. You're supposed okay. to take the new one no matter what it is. Well, I'm using another reroll then. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't. 
<laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Can I or can I? Uh, what do you want me to do? I, yes or it's no? one reroll limit. Fine. You can't just reroll until you win. Why? <laughs> you can do it in Baldur's Gate. Why can we do it? Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, all right, if you're making me take that one, then. Yeah. <laughs> um, natural one. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I think despite a natural one, this is a group sediment, and with a success from Frost and two critical successes from your other party members, you do manage to sway this council and make an impression that, at least for the time being, bronze hammer should stay open and I think the princess stands up and she says these outsiders speak with wisdom we would do well to to adhere to their device but one thing is certain we have problems here in the city as well the forge heart it's magma stores are dwindling. Yig still won't allow anybody in or out. Something's gone wrong down there, and we can't keep the city alight for... for another month. We, we'll lose people to starvation, to exposure. We have to do something. And I have a proposition. But you'll have to find out what it is next time on the Reroll Gaming Podcast. Oh. <laughs> Good RP <laughs> session. Ew. All 50 of my NPCs. Hell yeah. <laughs> Ezra Tanner just gets to have fun by having 40% of the episode be conversations with himself. This is what I call the narcissist episode. Thank you for listening to the Reroll Podcast. The world of Rel and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons, living or dead, or actual events are purely coincidental. Reroll Gaming uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. Used under Paizo's community use policy, we are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Reroll Gaming is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Want to follow us on social media, listen to another episode, or send us hate mail? Check out our link tree for all our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we can use in our games. The Reroll main theme and all character themes are copyright Zangaring. The Chronicles of Rail theme and Frequency theme are copyright Tanner Prentice. Please consider donating to our Patreon or Ko-fi if you liked our content. We are hell-bent on making more, and with your support, we can make a lot more. And leave us a review wherever you heard this episode. New episodes every Monday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then.